Good evening. We're glad you can join us. We've been changing the time back and forth, and uh, part of the reason that is uh, some folks, I think it uh, suits them a little better. We're even looking at moving it up maybe 30 more minutes, but we've been having some problems too with, with Matt having to, uh, to film everything or record everything. He's got something else going on back to back sometimes, so we've been working on that, but we're glad you could be with us. And for those who can't see it live, we know a lot of people will go back and look at it as we saw last week and observe that and, and uh, listen to it with us. But uh, I want to continue on in 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, and I want to read verse, uh, beginning in verse 11, uh, going through verse 19. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but we are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather in than what is in your heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we're in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for us uh, that those who live should be able to live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that during days of uncertainty and days in which we do not know where we are to turn or the direction that we need to go in, that we can trust in a living God who already knows the plan. We pray on this day that we would feel your love and compassion, that as we have been able to read your word again, that you would reveal yourself to us afresh and anew that we would understand what the scriptures are trying to tell us in the day in which we live. We know that the people of Corinth were struggling to be able to find their way and we may be struggling to find our way even on this night. We pray your blessings as we continue to seek you out on this night. For us in the name of Christ our Lord, we make this prayer, amen. Well, I wanna talk about the new order of new things we see that Paul's relationship that he had with the Corinthians was sort of a love-hate relationship. And that may be understating that for uh, on one hand, it's obvious that Paul had an intense love and that, that agape love that we talk about in 1 Corinthians 13 for these people at Corinth. And on the other hand, he's being criticized, he's being ridiculed, he's fighting for his own reputation and we find in general uh, that the church is in discord. This spiritual regression led to much dysfunction among the people and much disorder in the life of the church. Paul is trying to bring them back 
although he has become somewhat of a punching bag or a whipping boy to the Corinthians, a psychologist might suggest that they were uh, transferring their spiritual discomfort uh, on to him. Sometimes when we have disappointment with God or anger or disillusionment with God, we'll transfer that on to one of his messengers. They may have been doing that uh, with Paul in that day. They may have been uh, discontent on the way that they were living their life. But the Corinthians had inner spiritual problems that allowed them uh, to turn against Paul and against the basic tenets of the faith of Jesus Christ. And so uh, there's great dysfunction continuing to go on and Paul is trying to bring them back. He's operating on the tenet that if they'll just understand the word of God, they'll understand who Jesus is, they'll be drawn back into the fold and that they'll be compliant and obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. But against this backdrop, Paul continues his discourse with the church there in Corinth. It was once a pep talk or a reality check or a teachable moment. It is an opportunity for the Corinthians to return back to the path towards righteousness and God's plan for their lives. It's time for the whole church to experience the supernatural becoming new in Christ. Uh, all of us, hopefully, have already experienced that newness in Christ and that we'll continue to experience that newness in Christ. As we go through this time uh, with all of the virus and all this uh, COVID-19 experience, I hope uh, that God is shaping us and forming us more so in his image. I hope that all of us have learned some things through this process about things that really are important. It is so easy, isn't it, to take for granted so many things. And we can even get in a rut while trying to do good. But I hope during this time uh, that as Paul is telling the people at Corinth that they need uh, to become new again, that we also understand present tense times that we uh, allow God to make us into something new. Now Paul is writing uh, to those who are backslidden in the church at Corinth and he's seeking reconciliation in two fronts. Obviously he's trying uh, to restore his own personal relationship with the people at Corinth. That's oftentimes difficult as a leader, as a preacher, as a teacher, when folks lose confidence or they begin to be skeptics, uh, to be able to develop a strong relationship back with those people. But Paul was trying to do that. Uh, he was trying to shift them back also to spiritual reconciliation. You see, Paul believed that they had gotten off track, uh, that they had lost their focus. They did not understand who they were in Jesus Christ, and they had allowed... Uh, many of the teachers of that day and the philosophers of that day uh, to lead them astray. Sometimes uh, those people who uh, really have that gift of orator, uh, that have that really gift of speech, uh, they sometimes can be so persuasive, but in a wrong way. And I think that's what Paul was saying. Maybe he was saying uh, they're even more persuasive than I am. Although Paul did not lack confidence in himself, it is more likely uh, that he was opting for a good theology. Inspiring words can and do lead to change, but how much change and for how long? Now, I think each one of us, as we come tonight, 
uh, understand that change is important. And we know that oftentimes when we hear a good speech, that it causes us to change. But we don't want to just change temporarily. We want to change permanently. And that's what Paul was getting at. He says, you can hear these good philosophers speak. You can hear these people who greater orators. But he's saying, really, the message of Jesus Christ should stay with you day in and day out and that you should not be persuaded by these naysayers. Paul tells the Corinthians that he fears the Lord, which was sort of an Old Testament thought at the time, which means to hold respect and awe for God Almighty. But through this sacred reality, Paul attempts to persuade the people of their need for God. Now, that may seem foreign to us that uh, Paul is writing this letter to them, but again, the culture that they were living in, the environment that they were living in, it was pulling them away from God. We deal with that in the world that we live in today. Maybe some of you have been quarantined for so long that you don't even get around people. But when we do get out into the world, we always have those influences that can pull us away from God, can pull us away from the church and things that are godly. Uh, but he's trying to demonstrate to them that the Lord God Almighty through Jesus Christ is trying to give them new direction each and every day. His response was simple. We fear God and we have been marked so to take pride in our new lives and allow us to continue to share with this life-changing message of Jesus Christ. You see, Paul was all in on that. God had permanently uh, changed his life and he wanted uh, God to change their lives through Jesus Christ. Now, Thomas A. Kempis stated, you can be certain of this. When the day of judgment comes, we shall not be asked what we have read, but what we have done, not how well we have spoken, but how well that we have lived. Uh, I heard a story that was amusing to me about a little leaguer who was on second base and his coach was standing there beside him. And he said, Johnny, he said, you know, little league means that we do some things besides just play baseball and uh, we need to be able to control our temper. Uh, we need to be able to show respect uh, to coaches and to fellow players. And we need to make sure that we're not saying things that come out of our mouth uh, that are hurtful. And do you understand that? And Johnny says, yes, sir, I got that. He said, would you, remind, would you mind telling your mother that when you see her next? You see, what we are doing with our lives speaks a lot louder than what we are just saying. Paul was confident that he was in proper relationship with God and that all of his motivations were pure. He had hoped that both of these were clear and plain to the Corinthians and that they would actually take pride in being genuine and being sincere. Now, not the kind of pride that we think uh, that is wrong, the kind of pride in which we get all puffed up and we become arrogant, but he's talking about a pride that we have in Jesus Christ because we're trusting in him. That's a different kind of pride. There in verse 13 it says, For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. It reminds us there of Mark 3.21 inscribing the reactions of Jesus 
in his claim to be the Messiah and the zeal that he had, uh, we see that both uh, were sort of uh, in a quandary. But Paul uses the phrase in positive ways to describe his passion for pleasing God. For we know uh, there in Philippians, he tells us, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. You see, Paul was all in. He wasn't just part of the way in. He wasn't just riding the fence. He wanted these people in Corinth to be 100% sold on the fact that Jesus Christ lived, that he had a ministry while he was here, that he died on the cross for all of man's sins, and that he was resurrected on the third day and sent on the right hand of God and that he would empower our lives if we trusted in him. That's who Paul wanted the Corinthian people to know. Paul cites the newness factor in Christ as a difference maker in our lives. Now, Paul's next statement deals with the compulsion for ministry. To say that Paul was single-minded in his approach would be correct because there again he had a compulsion, a positive thought all the time about who Jesus was. For Paul, this compassionate love of Christ compelled all of his motivations, all that he was doing, all of his life service. Christ's love was demonstrated through the Passion episode, and it provides a positive compulsion for allegiance and service with the response being return love. The next focus we see here in this passage, uh, as he talks about salvation, is he alludes to the fact that the Corinthians, yeah, they are divided. They have fraction among them. They're divided by many small issues that had colored uh, the greater reality of the church. It also is possible that a byproduct of this spiritual regression that the Corinth people were going through was returned to the habit that they had gotten into, and that habit was judging other people uh, during their earthly merits. Uh, that they were able to observe. Now, I don't know whether you have had that issue in your past or not, but it's been interesting to me, and, and I don't listen uh, to the news all that much. I try to listen, you know, 30, 40, uh, 50 minutes a night and just find out what's going on, what the trends are, and then, you know, sometimes you listen to the commentators. But I have to tell you this. There's a whole lot of judging going on out there as you listen to different people and, uh, you know, whether they should pause a little longer and wait for folks to get out, when they should start it back up. One state is starting this day, another's going to start that day. Uh, it seems as though the story changes day by day. And I heard from some of you and I've heard uh, from those around as they're saying, I don't know what in the world they're doing. I don't know what they're thinking about. It's easy to get judgmental during this time if folks are not doing what we want them to do. Well, uh, a different situation on Corinth, but the same issue. They were being very judgmental. Uh, to hate is an all too human quality uh, that we sometimes possess. To love means that we are filled with God's spirit and his purposes in our life. For Paul to cite the death of Jesus in verses 14 and 15 is to teach the Corinthians that Christ uh, was uh, dying on the cross as an act of salvation for all of us. So he's talking about that. And, and we find, as he talks about this newness of life, he's talking about that each of us, uh, we die to our natural selves 
so that we can be reborn as newly redeemed believers. Christ's submission to God's will was a supreme act of self-giving. Paul centers his teaching on the example uh, of an attempt to bring the Corinthians back around full measure to their early conversion. Now, if for a moment you could just go back in your mind, I wonder uh, when you accepted Christ. For me, it was I was 12 years of age. It happened in vacation Bible school. I remember that time. It was an euphoric experience. I was uplifted. I wanted to share what uh, had happened in my life. And then, you know, as that 12-year-old began to grow up, my life began to change. And sometimes in our living, we find that we're not always doing the will of God, and we get off track. We sometimes slide over and let the world slide in to our lives. Uh, but these people, Paul believed, had had an authentic uh, spiritual conversion experience. But somewhere along the way, they had watched what was going on in Corinth with all the secularism that was taking place, and they had lost their focus. They had lost their way. It's important, although we're not coming to church, many of you listen tonight, and even more of you listen on Sunday morning, and some of you are listening to other uh, TV programs where there is preaching and worship. It's important that we don't get lost in this process. And I certainly hope we don't get into the habit of not wanting to be involved in church because I think that's an important piece. Uh, we are creatures of habit, and I hope that each of us are able to read our Bibles, spend more time in prayer, understand um, what God wants us to do, maybe find a real good book and read it, uh, listen to these worship experiences and various recordings that we're doing at the church and other churches are doing. If it's... Um, not a priority in our life though, we can get lost in the habit of doing some other things that possibly uh, would afford us to not be serving the Lord. Paul not only was going to counter human thought, but also uh, was going against the ingrained practice and mindset that he found there uh, in the Greek culture. Despite these obstacles, Paul, he did not flinch. Instead, he stands firm in this new theology, he calls upon the Corinthians to embrace their full salvation uh, act. And we see he was hoping their lives would be changed. This Corinthian group of people we find in verses 16 through 21. Uh, he describes as sort of an out of the world kind of viewing life, one in which all things are judged from the perspective of the divine rather than the temporal societal order uh, that helps us sometimes, enables us to be fickle uh, in our manipulations. Hodge states it this way. Such is the nature of change that I have experienced through the apprehension of Christ's love, as just described, that I no longer see or judge things from a worldly point of view. Now, we have to work on that. Because that is our nature, to, to judge things from a worldly point of view. But as Christ becomes more dominant in our life, as we allow God's Holy Spirit to control us and to change us and transform us, we become more like Him. Paul is encouraging these folks to become new creatures, to have a change. Uh, not lose our focus on who we should become at all times. 
and that encourages each of us uh, to be inspired by him. Now, he's talking to the Corinthians. What does that say about us? I, you know, you'd like for Paul to be able to come back and, and share a word with us today and say, how do you think church is doing today? Uh, well, I do tell you there's some silver lining to uh, this terrible virus that we're going through. I see a returning back to God. Uh, I see people hungry uh, for a word from the Lord. And that is a good thing. And I hope that we continue to do that, that those of us who have returned more closely to the Lord, that we'll not revert back to our old ways of, of doing things, but that we'll let this experience be a positive experience, uh, that there'll be a silver lining, that it'll help teach us what really is important in all of this world and all of our possessions and all the things we accumulate and all the things that we're able to attain and all the trophies that we amount on our mantle, those things are really unimportant compared to our relationship with Jesus Christ and our relationship with one another. Well, as I studied this tonight, as I thought about this, I was reminded of a hymn that we've sung uh, so many times before, and I just want to sing a couple verses of that because it reminds me in this uh, passage that we've read together and in this hymnal what we are about as we trust in the Lord. Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hands have provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with ten thousand beside. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hands have provided. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, Lord unto me. May God bless you as we celebrate our faith in the Lord. As we close in a word of prayer, we want to remember those who have been in and out of the hospital. Uh, we hope all of our people are doing better. I don't know of anybody that we have 
within our church and our church family uh, that is presently in the hospital. We're delighted that Franklin is home, is recovering well from his knee surgery, and Amy is home, recovering from cancer surgery. Douglas Jones uh, has uh, gotten out of the hospital and is trying uh, to recover from his illness. We will remember Douglas Young and uh, also Bill Smaltz and also uh, Preston Averitt, who continues uh, to get uh, chemotherapy. And there may be others. Uh, we're trying to keep an updated list and send that once a week on our website. I'd encourage you to go to our website. Uh, sometimes we might make a mistake, but um, uh, let us know if there's somebody that needs to be added to that prayer list. And uh, we just uh, pray for everybody. I think we're getting to the point folks are tired of being in. So many of you have not seen your family. Uh, so many of you are getting down and discouraged and depressed. And I just encourage you to trust in the Lord again. Know that the people of this church care about you. The people of this church love you. Uh, the people of this church walk on beside you. And more importantly, even in that, is the Lord Jesus Christ understands what you're going through. He went through a difficult time in his life before he went to the cross. He understands what it means to go through those times of uncertainty, those times of difficulty. So he walks along beside us. And for those of you uh, who are going through not only a physical time of illness, but also emotionally and mentally and spiritually, uh, the Lord is with you. May we rest in him and trust in him. Will you join me in a closing word of prayer? Father, we thank you for the love and grace and mercies you give to us. We thank you that we can rely upon you on these days that we don't know what's happening, but we know that you understand that. We pray that you would intervene on behalf of not only our country, but all the countries around the world and all people. We pray we'd find a solution, a vaccine, uh, a remedy for this terrible virus. But Lord, in the midst of this, we not only ask for your intervening to help heal this disease, but Lord, we pray that that spiritual disease that we have maybe inside of us that we need to discard, uh, maybe it's a habit, maybe it is that being judgmental, or maybe it is being this thing of negligent of our own spiritual life, that you'll call us back uh, home to you. And Lord, we lift up those that we've mentioned and others we may have not mentioned tonight that may be sick, are struggling. We pray, Lord, that you heal them, that you minister to their every need. And we pray, O oh Lord, that we would feel a love, a compassion with you, that we would be able to unite as the church, as Roseville Baptist Church and other churches of people who may be looking on. We pray that all of us would be drawn to you and that you would energize us. And Lord, that you would give us comfort and a peace in our heart knowing that as we trust and rest in you, that you always deliver. Forgive us, Lord, when we fall short, and thank you for your leading and your guidance for us. In the name of Christ our Lord, we make this prayer. Amen. May God bless you on this night. Thank you for joining us, and uh, we thank Matt for helping us again uh, tonight to make this happen. Uh, pray for us at the church, and if we can help you in any way, please call us. Uh, we're at the church every day. Uh, please call us. Let us know what we can do to assist you. May God bless.